Hi, this is TJ from the Untitled Beatles podcast. Tony's not with me. He's getting in trouble with the other neighborhood kids. So I wanted to take an opportunity to thank all of our listeners for listening to and following our show and also bring some breaking Beatles news. It's Tony's birthday. It's Tony's birthday. And we would like to wish him all the That's right. Today would have been John Lennon's 81st birthday, a day to be celebratory and also a little bit melancholy and sad. So Tony, Casey, and I have decided to re-air one of our very early episodes, this time remastered in a deluxe archive edition format that retails for $900, but comes with a photo of a naked gnome. Hashtag naked gnome. Hashtag Chomsky. So we hope you'll enjoy our tribute to John Lennon on this, what would have been his 81st birthday. There's no Beatles without John, and there's no Untitled Beatles podcast without... Untitled Beatles podcast. And Love Avenue. <laughs> 1986, Men yeah. Love. Hey, welcome to the Untitled Beatles podcast. Today, my name is Tony Mendoza. And today, my name is TJ Shanoff. Hi, Tony. Hey, man. How are you? I'm great. This pandemic's awesome. I hope it never goes away, and I hope people are still really fucking stupid without wearing masks, because that's really helping. Not looking out for each other is going a long way towards sinking the nation. It's really wonderful. It's great. I think it's really what the Beatles would have wanted for America. (laughs) I'm a loser. My name is Tucker Carlson. I'm a loser. My name is Laura Ingram. And I'm not what I appear to be. I think they wanted the Beatlemania thing to just go real dark and start wiping people out. <laughs> well, that's, that's actually what the Kinks wanted, I think. That's why they couldn't make it over here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They were banned. <laughs> right. you gotta do is set free, free. I do think that it's a really good call, like in the 80s when TBS colorized all the movies. Oh, Ted gonna, Turner, yeah. Ted Turner, they're going to redo the uh, Ed Sullivan and put face masks on the Beatles' faces. That would be good, right? Digitally insert all that. Right, people are going to get so mad when they see the Beatles on Sullivan not wearing masks, you know. <laughs> Why? Get them out they- of the... <laughs> Yeah, get them right. We we have the same bit at the same time, and that's <laughs> folks. That's improv. Whoever does the bit louder wins. <laughs> I learned from Dell. <laughs> well, I heard things are changing, so you know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no, we're uh, welcome back to talking improv. Hey, here's today's topic: Should Sharna have built a bigger theater? That's next on Talking Improv. <laughs> You imagine that? People are doing that podcast, and they're higher than we are. Dude, I, I thought he was in a band. I didn't know this was going to be like an improv show. Oh, well, you got to be, man, if you're going to be talking proud. <laughs> All right. So let's let's get into We have been doing this for a couple months now, and we tied uh, uh, early on George Harrison with a couple of my favorite George albums with which you weren't familiar. We right. did Paul on his birthday, Ringo on his birthday, and we both kind of thought – why wait till October to do John Lennon? How, how much longer can we go without delving into the incredible and frustrating and flawed and beautiful <laughs> solo career of John Lennon? So that's yeah. what we're going to do today is talk John. Sounds good, man. Yeah. And I think today we'll focus on our favorites. Uh, and maybe we'll save a deep dive for later. The faves. Yes. I'm excited. <laughs> I am too, man. Before we begin, I mean, just kind of a a general talk on John Lennon. 
You know, and a solo career has always been fascinating to me because by tragedy, he had the least output of any solo Beatle. Plus, he took those five years off yeah. when he was just kind of raising Sean and baking bread and being a house husband living in on the Upper West Side in New York. So there is far less John Lennon output than, I mean, Ringo's got 117 albums. It's <laughs> John's core catalog is what, eight? Um, you know, yeah, depending yeah. what you do with live peace in Toronto and men love Avenue and the eighties milk, and stuff, honey. milk right. right. Uh, but I also feel, I mean, it's fair to say that there's no Beatles without John Lennon. That's obvious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was his band in the beginning, like the Quarrymen, I should say was his band and Paul joined his band. Right. It was- yeah. And John invited Paul, Paul went to see him play and uh, Paul played all the all the right chords for Twenty Flight Rock. I think's the story, and that's kind of what right. John asked him to join the band. It's a beautifully organic story, and I'm not here to question John Lennon and his role in the Beatles. I think if you're going to rank importance of Beatles, John Lennon's number one. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, if you have to rank it, yeah, yeah, I I, I can't disagree. Uh, what what I do want to say is there are heights of John Lennon's career that I solo career that I believe supersede the solo careers of certainly Paul George and Ringo. I think, I think the heights of John's solo career tower over the heights of the other solo Beatles. I will also say that by virtue of how tragically John left this earth, a lot of the bullshit in his solo career has not been addressed enough. There's some, I, I've, I've lived in these albums for years like you have. I went back and listened to them all again in preparation to this. And if you're going to dog Red Rose Speedway and you're going to dog Extra Texture, you might want to dog half of Mind Games as well is all I'm saying. And I don't think people are quick enough to do that. Well, I'm going to push back on Mind Games and not, <laughs> yes. not say half of it. I would say two songs on Mind Games. Uh, are or, you including Newtopian International Anthem? <laughs> the Three Seconds of Silence, seconds right. Of <laughs> Which I think Sly and the Family Stone beat him to that bit before. Uh, yeah, with uh, there's a riot going on or something. Yeah. yeah. I, I just wanted to say before we get started, the John Lennon solo career is the easiest to delve into. And I... I, I John Lennon's death taught me about death when I was six years old. That's how I learned what death meant. That moment made me virulently anti-gun. Yeah. I had a, I went to a small little private school in Chicago and I was showing up in first, second and third grade wearing a band handguns button on my backpack. So I, I, I go deep with John Lennon in his career. I love John Lennon in his career, but today I'm not going to apologize for some of the moments that, I think should be if again if you're going to be critical of the other solo Beatles, you got to be critical of some solo John too. Yeah, it, some of it's hard. Some of it is fast forward worthy. <laughs> yes, um, and I'm talking about like sometime in New York City. I gave that record a spin yesterday for the first time in years, and actually, I was I I remember liking it less in the past, so I did like it a little more. That said. Um, yeah, it's it's still not my favorite. Actually, I would prefer to listen to Red Rose Speedway than Sometime in New York City, you know? Me too. But, I mean, ultimately, that first record, Plastic Ono Band, there's not a song on there I don't like, you know? I could even pick my top five just off that record. I could. My, 
my dear friend Tony, I believe that Plastic Ono Band is the best solo album that any of the Beatles ever released. Yeah, I mean, ever like you know what, TJ? It's kind of like Boston's first record. Every song. Yeah, <laughs> that first fucking Boston record. That first Kansas record. Any any band that is one name based in a city or state kick ass, right? All credibility down the toilet after that one. Um, no, but what about the fucking tubes? Why don't we talk about the tubes anymore? Are the liberals taking the fucking tubes away from us? You're talking about the band, the tubes, right? I think they had well, one. And tubes in general. <laughs> tube, yeah, tube amps, tube TV. <laughs> what happened to all those? Well, two bamps are still happening, but uh, <laughs> uh, two bamps or two bamps, right? Two bamps, uh, which is a great Vegas show. They uh, instead of tigers, they use gorillas, and uh, they're the bamps. It's <laughs> a classic Jan and Dean song. Two bamps forever. That might not even be oh, Jan and Dean. No, that's Jan and Dean. All right, Jan and Dean. I'm a Jan and Dean head man, so watch out. <laughs> I quit. Take care. So long, everybody. TJ Shannon. Well, find me at my next Beatles podcast. <laughs> so Plastic Ono Band, right? Uh, yeah, that record is amazing. It's three people. Four if you count Phil Spector yeah. as producer. Um, but yeah, Some of so his best quote unquote producing. It, it's not it laden is. with nonsense. Yeah, it's sparse. It's mm -hmm. dark and it's raw and it's real. Um, it's John Lennon, guitar, piano, it's Klaus Vorman on bass, and it's Ringo on drums. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's no, I don't think there's any strings or anything like that. There might have been a few overdubs, but for the most part, the record is what you get. And there's mistakes all over it. Yeah. <laughs> like in uh, Well, 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 you know, they're not sure where they're at at one point. Mm -hmm. I think the song even ends, it breaks down when it ends. <laughs> Oh, I love it's, it. It's 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 my favorite solo Beatles album, and I believe my number one or two favorite solo John Lennon song comes from that, and it's the song God. Dear God, hope you got the letter, and I pray you can make it better down here. Uh. By which we measure our pain I'll say it again God is a concept Oh, which I love it. Yeah. One I didn't really understand until I was a little older. This is an album I had for a long time when I was uh, trying to collect everything in high school, but it wasn't until like co late college, early 20s, where I really began to understand the Plastic Ono Band album. And it's John at his most direct. It's John at his most clear. It was not a huge commercial success. No. In fact, 
one of my other favorite, I'll just give you my top two favorite John Lennon solo songs because they're both directly linked. Number one is God from this album, and number two is Instant Karma. Instant Karma's gonna get you. Gonna knock you right on the head. You better get yourself together. Pretty soon you're gonna be dead. That was one of the fastest from recording session to release. I think it, it was 10 days. It was in stores 10 days after it was recorded. Instant Karma is also, I think they used the rough mix on it is what I recall. Okay. Uh, Spectre wanted to do some more work to it, but Lennon was like, nope, put it out like that. Uh, and that's got George Harrison on it, Billy Preston, Klaus Foreman on bass, Alan White on drums. Mal Evans plays the tubular bells. On that's that. right. I love it. <laughs> Mal Evans did not play the song tubular bells. <laughs> That's a different. <laughs> yeah, that song is great. And actually, I just watched both performances that Plastic Ono Band did on Top of the Pops when that song was out. And it's got Yoko with a blindfold on where there's one version where she's knitting. She's knitting on a stool. <laughs> yeah. All right. And Lennon's be on his piano. And then uh, the other version, uh, she's she's holding up uh, cue cards a la Bob Dylan. Yeah. Uh, later, you two. And uh yeah, and then saying things into a microphone that's not on. So we, it, I love it. I love it. She's trying to say something and you can't hear it. And it, it kind of speaks to that, you know, what that is, you know, mm -hmm. which would be a later song that we, we won't talk about that song today. But we'll, no, 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 no. At no, some no. point, we're going to have to fucking talk about <laughs> that single. From the Sometime in New York City album. Right. Yeah. We'll talk about that some other time, but today we're in focusing. In 2046. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll do it on the anniversary in 2072. Right. Exactly. We're in our late 90s. Right. <laughs> yeah, I love Instant Karma. It's great. I think I mentioned it in a previous podcast, but those first two chords are an homage to, the, to uh, some other guy. Richie Barrett, yeah. From their uh, Cavern days. Uh, yeah, that's that song I wrote down, Pop Perfection. Love that song. The reason I connected God with Instant Karma is because there's such a yin and yang situation. Plastic Ono Band was John doing a confessional tell-all album that felt true to his heart, commercial instincts be damned. I think Love and Mother were singles on different sides of the, of the ocean. Right, right, I think you're right. And, but neither of those really and love is a beautiful song it almost feels lost in the Lennon catalog love is real real is love love is feeling I think you're right too. And it was also coming off a of cold Turkey, which is uh, another early single that is, it's not so much a song as it is like a sound, yeah. you know? Temperatures rising, feet 
just recently learned that cold turkey you think he confessed this to his personal assistant in the 70s that the song was actually about food poisoning <laughs> i always said it was about heroin i didn't know it was well, yeah Whoa. it's supposed to be about heroin but the actual experience that is uh, according to this assistant was a food poisoning but he thought it was too you know daff or whatever to do a song about food poisoning. <laughs> now the Runnels. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's doing the, cheese and onions. That's a whole different. Uh, different well, I I'm totally with you on the God song um, because my mom had the Imagine record. So like you, that to me was my first introduction to Lennon's solo work. Um, and that's got strings, the flux fiddlers all over it. It's, flux, a, yeah. it's prettier. Um, there's, there's prettier songs on that one. Um, so I too kind of dug into this plastic Ono band, the first Lennon solo record about that same time. I was like 18 a friend had it and I put it on and man, it just spoke to me. And especially, so the song, the, the album, the penultimate track is God. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of like the album closer really. But, uh, the point is when I heard God, that, that for me, especially at 18, like around 17, this is personal stuff for me. I had to, I was, I was raised Catholic. I had to go to church every week. I went to Catholic school for a brief time. I fucking hated it. Like the, the teachers hit me with paddles. I got detentions for things I didn't do. I really did not like Catholicism. And I knew this early on. And so that led into high school into getting into things like Danzig and, you know, you can do all that, you know, Miss Danzig and dancing were your two high school hobbies. (laughs) I had a tap routine that I did to to Danzig's mother. (laughs) Mother, Tell your children not to walk my way. Tell your children not to hear my word. What to be, what to say. Mother, And not the song, his actual mother, <laughs> Lena Anzini Leone. Lord, I New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Deep. <laughs> but so hearing that song, God, it really crystallized for me. Uh, in a way, it gave me the permission to reject Catholicism because okay. it came from John Lennon, you know, and I know he's, you know, he's just a human, you know. I'm not, what's his name? Claudio, the guy. <laughs> I'm not Claudio. I forget his last name, but you know that that scraggly American guy that in the Imagine movie who yeah. shows up and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I love that guy. I'm not looking to him for the answer or whatever. <laughs> Boy, you're gonna carry that weight for a long time. That was just that's Paul signed that. But it's a dude I admired, and he put it out there saying like, I don't believe, and not only that I don't believe in God, but it's like I don't believe in Hitler. I don't believe in 
uh, Bob Dylan, which he calls yeah. Zimmerman. Zimmerman, yeah. I don't believe in King. I, the way the music drops, I, I still, having heard that song a thousand times, yeah. I still get chills when the music drops out after, after I don't believe in Beatles. In Beatles. Just believe in me. It's such uh, a powerful statement. God, it, it is. It talking about it is is chilling. And then the way his voice comes in without any accompaniment on "I Just Believe in Me." Yoko yeah, I think they me. take the effects off, right? It's yeah. dry. Yeah, man. No, it's perfect. That song's great. That is that song is definitely in my top. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I think that I think it's my favorite, and for disparate reasons, Instant Karma would be number two. I love the yin and yang uh, uh, dichotomy between the two. The reasons they were released when they were, uh, the the how contradictory they are, but yet how it shows the two sides of John: commercial rocker and confessional John, in two separate songs, both of which are glorious. Well, I'm going to give you uh, one of my favorites uh, from Great. that record, and you mentioned it. It's the song "Love." Yeah, it is. I think it's one of his prettiest songs. It's up there with me for Julia. In a way, I, wrote, I think I wrote down, it's, it's, it's like Julia, but without all the mother stuff. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know? So it's just to be like a pure love song where I don't have to think about somebody's mother. Which John accomplished in the same album with the song Mother, which is a very yeah. hard listen. Yeah. It is a hard listen. Those, those screams are real on Mother. The telephone is ringing. Is that my mother on the phone? Uh, Mama don't Um, and also, thank you, Janov. Yeah, man, Arthur Janov, right? Yeah, yeah, his screams are all over this record, and in fact, my favorite Lennon scream is is on "Well, Well, Well." Ah, actually, my favorite Lennon scream is on "I Want You, She's So Heavy." Yeah! But my second favorite Lennon scream is on "Well, Well, Well." See, mine is on the 26-minute track, John and Yoko from the Wedding Album. Yoko! <laughs> Yoko! Damn it, now that's deep. One of these Yoko! days, we should Yoko! we should listen to all those Wedding Album and Yoko! the Two Virgins. And there's a third one, right? I forget, but those noise Th records. Th thank God for the record label, Ryko, that, that reissued all the shit EMI didn't, didn't want in the 80s and 90s to reissue. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, and you know, there's also a Yoko version of Plastic Ono Band. There is, um, with a similar cover. Yeah, I think they switch places uh, mm -hmm. is, is the difference on the album covers. And uh, you can actually listen to that now. I think Secretly Canadian, the record label, put that out a few years back. So you can get into that version too, which is... That's going to be your harder, wilder. Maybe it's a little more elephant's memory without the sax. <laughs> without the droning. So we get it. Mix the sax lower. By the way, Secretly Canadian is also, that's also my favorite Brian Adams record. <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> um, but the song Love. Uh, so the one on the record is great. It's the piano version. But uh, in 97, they put out the John Lennon anthology, which I highly recommend. Me that too. you you cannot stream that so it's four cds um try and get it i guess if you if you can it's it's basically it's outtakes from his whole period um 
And the version of Love on that is done with a guitar doing that Donovan style claw hammer finger style picking that I am a sucker for. Love is real. Real is love. Love is feeling. So for me, that's just yet another wonderful version of that song. Like Julia. Like Julia. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you me- I'm so glad you mentioned that Lennon Anthology from 97. It's one of the most egregious omissions on vinyl in the Beatles right. catalog. That 23 years later, they haven't found a way to... I mean, sure. Would it be too expensive? Yes. But is there a market for it? I mean, God yeah. bless. You know I love Paul. I've already pre-ordered the five cd deluxe flaming pie issue using unemployment money like (laughs) like a good dad like a good dad and husband no sweetie we we can't get the organic chicken i had to rebuy flaming pie yeah oh can oh what's flaming pie is that delicious sounds like a great dessert (laughs) it is and it's a beautiful night for love um But uh, yeah, th- that Lennon anthology has some of my, I mean, we could go into that and maybe we will one day because some of my other favorite tracks, I will segue quickly into this and say that the versions of the songs that appeared on the Phil Spector produced rock and roll album that are much more bare in that Lennon anthology are way more preferable to that messy, dirty rock and roll covers album. And in Agreed. fact, the- the medley of Rip It Up and Ready Teddy has been on every John Lennon mix I've ever made. Those two little Richard songs. I, every Lennon mix I've ever made for 20-some wow. for years. Well, it's Saturday night and I just got paid. Cool about morning, don't try to save. My heart says go, go, have a time. Because it's Saturday night and baby, I'm feeling fine. I'm going to rip it up. And the dialogue with him and Phil Spector arguing. That that, that is the best. That is the the fucking best. That's my favorite part of the rock and roll album. (laughs) Yeah, yes. With the tweeting bird. (laughs) (laughs) Birds tweeting? What the hell? (laughs) What is that tweeting bird out there? Oh, God. There's birds, goddammit, out there. And Lennon, Phil Spector yelling at John Lennon not to say four in his four counts. <laughs> no, you can't say four. You just, and three, four. No, you yell four. Wait Phil, a minute. Phil, Phil. You can't yell four over his playing. Why is everyone grabbing their headphones when I talk? <laughs> <laughs> the birds and the tweeting. Yeah. Goddamn birds out here. And John sounds so out of his mind on drugs or booze. Yeah, man. He I got a message for you. Like, oh, John. Hold it, hold it. Our fault, our fault, not your fault. Hold it. Listen, if the voice is too loud, just say the voice. I'm yelling too loud in the can. No. Everybody suddenly grabs their headphones when I talk. Yeah, that rock and roll record is a fucking mess. Uh, and it shouldn't have been. No, it should have been fun, but oh well. That was where he was, man. He was on his last weekend, man. 
you you should have been there, which is on the, the rock and roll album has that. But I didn't mean to, to derail our, our wrap up of the Plastic Onobine album, but I would highly recommend that Lennon Anthology box set, not streaming, not on vinyl. I don't even know if it's in print anymore, but it no. is amazing. And you remember what a gift that was? That was a couple years after the anthology. Yep. And all of a sudden in one set, you've got five, is it five CDs? It's of, four. four. It's four CDs in a book, a little right. book, like a CD shaped book. Which they, they, they made a one disc issue of it. I never bought yeah. called once upon a time with the W the John Lennon version yep. of that word. And that didn't really sell either. So it's just, no. it, it's strange. Yeah. Yeah. I remember buying it. I bought it on like a day off on a weekday in Wicker Park on Damon Avenue. There used to be some record store uh, just uh, south of the L tracks. But I picked that thing up with my hard earned. I was working as a trolley driver at the time. And I, <laughs> my tips, my trolley driver <laughs> tips, I bought that damn thing. Uh, I bought that Lennon Anthology box set at a record store in the Cape Canaveral Mall in Florida when I was playing <laughs> piano on the Disney cruise. And uh, we docked there. And uh, that was an interesting era because I wasn't allowed to smoke pot on the ship. So I got drunk every day. You're welcome, America. <laughs> <laughs> One way or another, man. <laughs> Get them done. You got over that wall, man. I did. I did. Over, <laughs> over the, the Mersey wall. Um, so anything else on Plastic Ono Band, which I think we both agree is, I believe it's the best. I think you would agree it's one of the best in the entire Solo Beatles canon. Yeah. I will, I will say I, I have a lot more to say, but I'll save it for a, a deep dive because uh, my next favorite comes off Imagine. And that would be, I've always loved this song ever since I first heard it when I was whatever I was, 13, 14. Give me some truth. Yeah. Love that song. Uh, it's his, it's, it's, I think it's the hardest rocking song on, I mean, it's not Sabbath or whatever, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but his, it, it's about his vocal. Let's be honest. That's where the rocking comes in. He's just screaming that, that lyric out, you know, I, I loved all the adjectives piled on top of each other, rhythmically stabbing. Your head, yeah, I love that song. I still do. It's got a great guitar solo in it, mm -hmm. especially when it goes up. It does that funny little weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it has a sense of humor, you know, it's not taking itself too seriously. M money for dope, money for rope. Yeah. Money for rope. Yeah. <laughs> I think rope was specifically heroin, right? I keep talking about, I've never tried heroin. It just, I no. think John, John sang about it on a couple of occasions. I was dosed once with methadone unbeknownst to me. And my next day was uh, a doozy. <laughs> anyway, that's a story for another Dude, time. Dude, well, then let me tell you my headline. We'll tell this story another time, too. The only time I've ever done cocaine, somebody sprinkled it in a bowl of a bong hit at a party I was at with Horatio Sands in 1999. <laughs> with Raj. And with Raj, Raj, of course. And I was in a some random bathroom telling Horatio Sands I was going to die. And Raj kept saying, you're fine, calm down. Yeah. Calm down. Play a little Lady Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> just, just boogie woogie it out. See, see how they run. 
Um, so yeah. the, the Imagine album as a whole is probably John's most successful and known album. EMI has officially reissued it 116 times. Those new so, mixes are great, though. I like that that one they put out a year or so ago. I dig it. It's it's awesome. I will say the 2002 reissue sounded great. The 2010 reissue. So there, it's the tricky thing, right? The reissues of all the Beatles stuff are wonderful, but you also get to a point where it's like, how many different ways do I have to hear this? Right. And the other great thing about the Imagine is that they filmed a lot of it. So you get to see them, him working on the songs. Like you see him doing Give Me Some Truth, mm-hmm. holding up the lyric sheet. You know, and it's an isolated vocal on that uh, on that home video. It, it's great. I'll I'll pull that one out. I don't like saying that, but <laughs> pull it out, pull it out. All right, next up on Untitled Beatles, Tony's gonna get dongy. <laughs> Dongy's the term for pulling dongy. it out. <laughs> but it, it's it, it's true that and that video I think is is, is subtitled. Give me some truth, or that, that might yeah. even be the, the title of that video. I think that's the title of the home video. And then they put another one out just on Netflix last year or something too, which I, I forget what that's called. But that one's good too. The uh, the hits on that record, of course, are Imagine, which is the the seminal solo John Lennon song. I didn't put I didn't put many greatest hits besides Instant Karma on my favorite list because I didn't want it to be super obvious. But of course, Imagine and Jealous Guy, which yeah. began as Child of Nature in India. Yeah, it's on. It's an Escher demo. Right, which up till the reissue was Escher. <laughs> And yeah. then Giles Martin says Esher once, and we're all like, all right, it's Esher. <laughs> what if Giles Martin's wrong? <laughs> right. Well, his name's Giles. <laughs> Giles Martin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Represent. But Imagine's chock full of, of great, great songs, and I would agree that Give Me Some Truth is probably one of the two or three best on that album. It spoke to me definitely, and I still like it. Yeah. Well, let's, yeah, you know what? Let's get into my games. I love it because... Cause you don't care for this record. I like it. I, I gave it a spin this week, and uh, I like it. Uh, and I, I would argue that I, I the song itself, "Mind Games," is probably in my top five. I would list it as one of my favorites. It's a great song, and when I shit on "Mind Games," it's not me saying it's a. Ter- I'm gonna here's what I'm gonna do. I need an American flag and a copy <laughs> of "Mind Games," and I'm gonna protest. <laughs> The way the man tells me I can't. No, I, I, I don't think Mind Games is a horrible album. I'm using it to say, like, if, if you're going to bash Wings Wildlife, then you need to take into account that there's f- four or five songs on Mind Games that are also substandard Lennon. I mean, uh, uh, to, uh, One Day at a Time is fluff. And also a great show with... Uh, <laughs> Anne Franklin? Not Anne Franklin. <laughs> Anne Franklin is a different character. Yeah. Rooted in Anne Frank. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> Bonnie Franklin. It's not Bonnie the theme Franklin. to that song. Have no fear. The snide is here. <laughs> but I mean, that intuition only people, these aren't terrible songs, but. You know, if if you're going to give Little Lamb Dragonfly shit, you might want to give Only People shit, too. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no, I'm with you on that. I like One Day at a Time. And honestly, that song gets stuck in my head a lot because that's a phrase I'll say every now and then because this is the that's the world we live in now. We're taking things one day at a time. Mm-hmm. But I get that song in my head a lot. And I, I like it. And again, it gets into that kind of sitcom 
rock that was prevalent in the 70s. You, yeah. <laughs> that drives me cuckoo. But that sounds like Linda McCartney, right? But that's that's what I'm saying. So <laughs> I like that. If mumbo bothers you, take take a breath and maybe this one should bother you too. See, that's it. so there we go. So I think we found it because I like wildlife and I love Linda McCartney uh, harmonies. You know, they're not perfect. And I, I think that's why I like them. They're real. I, I do too. I do too. Um, but yeah, so I dig mind games. Uh, maybe we'll, yeah, we'll get into that album itself later in a, in a deep dive. Cause I mean, if we've got to unpack it and we will, but just one thing I want to bring up since you love that album, we've talked about the political statements on imagine and on plastic Ono band and to a different extent, some, some time in New York city, I feel like uh, uh, bring on the Lucy parentheses free to people feels pedantic. It, it doesn't it much of that album feels like a cut below the John Lennon that is clear and concise and purposeful. You're, you're completely right. In comparison to those first two records, nothing really after those first two records compares. I know people say double fantasy. I disagree. To me, those first two records are where it's at, and there's great moments on the rest of them. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I agree with you. Mine, I don't think Mind Games is a masterpiece, but I was surprised mm. at how many songs. Like I, like, I do like that song, Free to People. Free to People. Not, you know, I don't. Well, that, that, that just did. I mean, how many times are you putting that on a playlist or, or a mix? Or if you're introducing someone to John Lennon, that's not one of the songs you're you're going to go for. No. Well, do you have, do you have any favorites from uh, Walls and Bridges? I think Walls and Bridges is maybe the most underrated album in his entire catalog. Is that right? I think, yeah, I, I really do. Because I feel like some of that's the drugs some of that's the the collaboration some of that's how lonely he was because that was recorded on the precipice of the lost weekend is my time frame right your time frame is right so right he did mind games then he started working with specter on the rock and roll stuff specter got into a car wreck or whatever and had the tapes and the tapes went lost so lennon started working on walls and bridges before completing rock and roll so yeah so he was still in lost weekend for sure again one of my favorites whatever gets you through the night me too that's a lennon with elton john right and elton john they had the wager where elton's like this is a number one john lennon's like no it's not gets to number one lennon loses the bet and has to perform with elton john at madison square garden and that's where he's reunited with yoko and they get back together and, which includes just an incredible t- live take that that Mass Square Garden show, not videoed from everything I understand, but a live take he does that the band he does with Elton John's band. What do you think from an old, an old strange, strange fiance, fiance of, mine of mine called Paul, Paul. and then he launches <laughs> into I saw her standing there with Elton, yeah, and just souped up and revving, and in fact. That was the B-side to one of the biggest Elton John hits ever, a song called Philadelphia Freedom. This was just seven 
anybody who that. bought that 45 in the 70s was getting on the B-side live. I saw her standing there with Elton and John Lennon. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah they, cool. they, they did whatever gets you through the night. I think they did Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds and then... Sparkle. Which Elton John had as a hit at the time. Right, right. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds Yeah, so I, I really so I love that whatever gets you through the night. I think Me it's too. his most fun song ever, possibly ever. <laughs> I'm trying what about to- you know my name? Come on, doesn't that count? <laughs> that's with Paul, but yeah. Right, you're right. And that's a goof. That's a goof. This I mean I mean this song's kind of a goof too. I don't know. I dig it. There's a novelty quality to it. Obviously that SNL sax is all over it. <laughs> but it's it's fitting. You keep waiting for Dom Pardo to <laughs> Right. There. <laughs> Musical guest Seals and Crofts. I just love that song. If that song comes on, I'm in a, I'm in, to me, it's, it's my, I wrote down, it's my, listen to what the man said. All right. What a great, and I think right around the same year, listen to what the man said was, I think one year after, I think. I think so. Yeah. yeah that's, yeah. that's a great, great, great point. And looking at all these tracks, this is one I listened to a couple times on vinyl this week. I forgot how much I loved it. Going down on love is such a great way to begin the song. Cause it's kind of mellow and groovy. <laughs> it's so mellow. Yeah. It's so I always thought it was a peculiar album opener, but it works. It works for 74. It, it totally works for 74. And it, it feels like the, like an appetizer into whatever, get, whatever gets you through the night, which is a song that follows. Old Dirt Road is a, a beautiful kind of, he has a couple sad Sinatra feel. Not, I'm not trying to say they sound like Frank Sinatra songs, but his tone and delivery, you know, nobody loves you when you're down and out. Old Dirt Road, Scared. These are all kind of more mellow, introspective, not the vim and piss and vinegar of the, right. of the first album. It's him going, oh, shit, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. Nobody loves you when you're down and out. Steel and Glass, the one he wrote about Alan Klein. Right. And I should point out that Nobody Loves You When You're Down and Out is something he wanted Sinatra to record. I think yeah. he wrote it with Sinatra in mind. Uh, but you know, his life was also a mess then and he couldn't get it together. Um, yeah, I like that. I even like beef jerky, which is that kind of champ style <laughs> Las Vegas <Yes>. grind <laughs> instrumental where they just say the title in it. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. 
And then we're leaving. So I'm going to throw in uh, another favorite. This would be the other single off that record. Number nine dream. Yeah. Total favorite song still remains a favorite. Um, I never knew what he was saying. I always thought he was saying in the chorus, I always thought he was saying something like may pang taught him, you know, I'm like, I don't know what that Japanese is or something. It's gibberish turns out. Yeah. (laughs) And they made him say pose pose because pussy pussy was, he didn't want to deal with that. Which uh, uh, Carrie, my wife, every time we hear that song, and we listen to a lot of solo John around here, so she hears it quite a bit, <laughs> always giggles because she thinks he's saying, Habawakawa, pussy, pussy. It still sounds like it. <laughs> it does. I mean, that's what I, I, yeah. I love the tempo shifts in that song. It gets dreamy, and the tempo retards. And it's a beautiful song. It totally is. It's, yeah, there's this woozy production. There's like a George Harrison slide kind of feel going on. So it feels like, it almost feels like a John and George song. the backwards bits with uh, that's may pang on there i always thought it was yoko and it, nope it's last weekend it's may pang at some point I, I she has a book out i'd like to read that it's like did she have any say in this matter <laughs> you know it sounds like she wasn't into it she's like oh you're married no thank you and yoko was like no you'll you'll do it <laughs> you'll be with john well, that's that's such a great part in the. I've not read the May Pang book, but it, I don't read. I haven't either. It's readings for liberals. My name is Tucker Carlson. <laughs> but there is a. Um, uh, it, it's part of the great thing of the John and Yoko story is the way Yoko made him have an affair with May Pang in Los Angeles. Hey, you know, per, that's you know, then that that's their personal life, you know, you know. So hey, man. But it's 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 a I love this album because like I said, it's introspective without some of the heavy post Beatles breakup anger from seventy and seventy-one. Well, he's definitely mellowing out, right? Uh yeah, you can't be mad forever. At some point, how old would he have been? He was like thirty-four when he was recording this. Yeah. And he'd lived a lifetime, you know. His <laughs> he didn't really have a twenties, you know. He went Mm-mm. from being a teenager to you know, being Elvis, basically, yeah. which is not having a a life. That was one thing I was noticing as I was listening to Lennon and after having done the Paul deep dives and stuff like I do think Paul has the the greater amount of output. And I do think that Paul's and this isn't a competition. This is just an observation. Mm-hmm. Paul's music, I think his musical output itself is stronger. That said, 
I always see the performer in Paul. And when you're listening to John, I feel like you're getting the human, you know, those screams are real. They're, they're not performances. They're real. Like he did heroin. Like he was a <laughs> junkie. Like it reminds me, it kind of reminds me of me in a way from the Paul thing where uh, in my mid twenties, I was obsessed with hobos and like being riding the rails and I it was reading hobo books and it was romantic or whatever. And, you know, I, I would be hanging out by train tracks and when I worked on the South side and kind of like, Hmm, what if I just got on that train track? But I never did obviously. Mm. Um, but I have, a, I, I have buddies, my, my friend Reed, who in the 90s, he did hitchhike across the country. And wow. he did it. You know what I mean? Like, he did it. And, you know, and I remember talking with him about it and being all romantic about it. And he's like, yeah, it kind of sucked. <laughs> You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was dirty and couldn't take a shit anywhere. And- yeah, but he lived it. You know what I mean? And so like, I feel like I, I get it where Paul's, Paul can write these stories about people and he can get he can get he can tap into the spirit of it, but it's John who who lives it. Well, the beauty of them together, I actually in preparation for this reread the bulk of the um, Playboy interviews. Oh, those from, are great, which are just incredible. I have them right over there. Yeah, they're they're and uh, when they go through the Beatles catalog and all the Paul songs, it's John kind of backhandedly complimenting Paul while <laughs> tearing him down too, saying, "Paperback writer, lovely Rita." Uh, he writes them like a novelist. John says, I write about me. Paul makes up characters. Yeah. Obviously there are exceptions and it's not black and white, but that seems to be the, that was the takeaway I got, um, which plays into the lore we've heard all these years. Well, and that's why the beauty of them together, even when they weren't eyeball to eyeball, when you think, and this gets lost, it's been so long since people bought 45s. You and I are a generation that we're still buying 45s in, in real time, but we're probably the last generation who did that. But in 67, to release a single that is Strawberry Fields on one side and Penny Lane on the other side, and then you go a year later and you have Hey Jude on one side and Revolution on the other side, their ability in the same band to support each other so well while coming from such different perspectives is is unmatched it's what makes them them and we're not even getting into george or ringo and their contributions too but john and paul's the dominant songwriters were so similar and so different and so interested in making things great that they made it work together for way longer than they probably should have <laughs> you said they, they should have stopped is that what you're saying <laughs> no i mean that that, <laughs> that egos would should have would have sabotaged lesser talents or shittier people way sooner. I mean, even the White Album, when they had four different studios going, the entire recording of that, they didn't hate each other. They were doing their own things, but they would still, yeah, you want me to overdub this on this track? Sure, I'll come in and do that. Yeah. You know, it wasn't until the the the, the dull drums of recording let it, uh, the Get Back album, which became Let It Be, that really kind of killed them. But uh, yeah, that's it's the, the, the beauty of John and Paul in the, is best summed up in some of those 45s of how different and similar they were. That's cool, man. Yeah, man. This is the man. Uh, you got anything off Double Fantasy that you ha- well, consider a favorite? For the purpose of time and brevity, which is always our our mo on this show. I mean, we are <laughs> we never go, get off track. I kind of look at Double Fantasy and Milk and Honey a bit together because Milk and Honey, much of it was being recorded directly after Double Fantasy was finished. It was going to be the follow-up album. 
Yeah, it's got the same sound. Same sound. And I actually believe Milk and Honey is a far, the songs that wound up Milk and Honey are far stronger than anything on, I shouldn't say anything in Double Fantasy because to me, Watching the Wheels is a perfect John Lennon song and the acoustic demo of it's gorgeous and the finished product is gorgeous. And I think the the album was released before he was killed. I don't think they released the single till after. And I think hearing this, I'm just sitting there watching the wheels go round and round and the shadow of John Lennon's death took that song and took our understanding of it to a whole different place. That song, that song, in the right moment, could get me teary because it's, uh, yeah, yeah. The I, I just had to let it go part is it's hard. I, the way he repeats it over that bluesy piano figure at the end, it, it's it's. I, I have a, a chill. I'm also dying. No, God forbid. But I, <laughs> I, I I have a chill. I didn't mention the COVID thing. We'll talk about it later. Oh yeah. I um. <laughs> I have a chill even talking about it. And, you know, be, being a dad for four years, always liked Beautiful Boy. But as a as a dad of a son, Beautiful Boy just kind of means that much more to me now, too. I love that Woman was kind of, he called his Beatle track, very kind of If I Fell influenced. Yeah. St- starting over while uh, the Jack Douglas production has bothered me a little bit. And in fact, 10 Thank years you. ago, they released a stripped down version of it. That isn't a ton better, but it takes some of the gloss off and focuses more. Apparently, John hated his voice after five years of not recording anything. Hmm. And that's one of the reasons his voice is often buried in that original Geffen uh, Double Fantasy release. Um, But the stripped version is my preferred way to listen. Why don't we take off along? Take a trip somewhere far, far away. Like we used to. 
And the songs on Nobody Told Me, excuse me, the songs on Milk and Honey, Nobody Told Me, Borrowed Time that has kind of that, that reggae thing. Yeah, the feel. reggae thing, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm Stepping Out, Grow Old With Me. Um, yep. No, those are good songs. Great uh, song. Well, Dear good. Yeah. I, I'm going to put, actually, I'm going to put Woman on my favorites with an asterisk because that production on the double fantasy version is not my favorite. If you get the anthology, the demo version of just him with an acoustic guitar and his little drum machine, that is beautiful and perfection. And that's that version is in my top five for sure. Hell yeah. Woman, I can hardly express my mixed emotions at my thoughtlessness. song and it fades out and they do anyway you got to hear it uh i think you can find it on youtube maybe i don't even think you can i've tried like i only have it on cd but it's just beautiful if you're gonna listen to that song find that version it's a great one and i know you and i feel a little differently about yoko but i do i've been making mixes since i was in high school that had i call it double honey and it's just the John songs from Double Fantasy and, and Milk and Honey, because I, I don't need to hear Kiss, 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 Kiss Me Lover, Oh Sanity beyond, a no- beyond the novelty. Well, she, like, I know him. She was auditioning for Square Pegs, man. <laughs> One size does not fit all. Cut it out. Uh, yeah, th- there is a double fantasy song I want to mention while you mentioned the beautiful woman outtake. The outtake of uh, I'm Losing You that has Cheap Trick on it. Oh, Do I don't know even know. Story? No, man. The, the I'm Losing You outtick, uh, outtick. We got outticks. We got all <laughs> kinds of ticks. The I'm Losing You outtake was recorded in studio originally with Cheap Trick. And as legend goes, Cheap Trick had already been huge for right. what, four Surrender or five years. Yeah. And but Budokan was a massive album a yeah. few years before that. Um Yoko thought Cheap Trick was trying to glam on to John Lennon's success and they re-recorded I'm Losing You with his band at the time and got rid of the Cheap Trick version, but it's it rocks harder like late 70s Cheap Trick does too. So seek that one out as well. Yeah, I got to hear that. Didn't yeah. know. Yeah. Late in the afternoon 
learning about things on the untitled Beatles podcast. It's fun, right? It's, it's fun. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I, it's, it's a, they're both flawed albums, you know, people pissed on double fantasy initially as, Oh, John's comeback soft, you know, Oh, John Lennon in the eighties after baking bread and being on a boat in Bermuda and all that's not going to be the same thing. And that's one of the reasons, you know, you, you can't just return to genius and for John to come out of five years of not writing and then have or writing sparingly, I should say, because another favorite song, I don't want to forget to mention that I heard when I bought the Imagine soundtrack in 88, his original run through of real love that kicks off that Imagine oh. soundtrack. Yep. I can put that on right now and just sob. It is so beautiful. Yeah, man. There's so many. It's hard to narrow it down. Yeah, so we probably had like top seven, really. Yeah, but but that's the thing, and they're all they're all so good. I want to clarify something I said at, at the top of this podcast about the bullshit in John Lennon's uh, solo catalog. It's not that the it's bad. It's just that I've never found it fair that it's almost like no matter how much you love the Beatles or John, it's almost like you can't criticize solo John because of. Yeah. Not just his death, but how he died. And years later, I'm saying, I believe his heights are better than heights of, that includes All Things Must Pass. It includes Band on the Run. Plastic Ono Band is the best, in my humble opinion, best solo Beatles release ever. I love John Lennon. I defend John Lennon. <laughs> but if you're going to bash Gone Tropo. It's time you know I got you know, maybe you can bash cleanup time from Double Fantasy. You know, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> well, for me, it's Plastic Ono, Imagine, and then that uh, anthology box set. Those would be the things to, I would start with if you're wanting to jump into that stuff. And for me, it's the wedding album, Men Love Avenue. <laughs> And they hastily released Acoustic. They released an, an album called John Lennon Acoustic that yeah. had half the songs were from the anthology box set. That's another one. If if EMI, I don't know if, who owns the rights at this point, if it's uh, Yoko or Capital EMI, how could an album of John Lennon Acoustic demos not be put out on vinyl? If they're, they're, they're releasing everything by every artist, you don't think there's a market for that? It, it's, it's strange to me how that all works. Let's do a Kickstarter. Because that's just what, here's my GoFundMe. It's not for my poor friend who's ill. It's for EMI and the, the John Lennon uh, estate. Yeah. We'll give them the money so they can put that record out. <laughs> exactly. They need it. I've been doing that with Beatles releases since I've been about 10. So, but before we wrap, uh, and this is, we could do a part two of this where we get into the other posthumous stuff, the Live in New York City album, right. which uh, from, I think, the one-to-one -one concerts, which is messy and under-rehearsed. At the end of that Instant Karma, he goes, we'll get it right next time. <laughs> Again, the Elephant's Memory Band bringing him down. <laughs> before, before we go, to, because we have yet to do a deep dive Lennon uh, Beatles thing, I thought of something just before we started recording which is how i plan for the shows by the way <laughs> oh it's it's 12 57 no i'm kidding i actually i've been listening to john lennon all week 
Uh, what in your mind is the most you got to, if you had to pick one John Lennon Beatles song that best exemplifies who John Lennon was, what song would that be to you? Wow. Wow. It's a tough question, right? Yeah, that's really tough. Cause I, I would say the solo song I would say would be mother. To yeah. me, that just gets to the whole point of it. Um, My, mine solo would be working class hero. Oh yeah. 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 But with the, with the Beatles, uh, I believe the song that says John the most is I am the walrus. <laughs> I really do. That is wild. Well, yeah, that's that one side of him, right? His, um, mm-hmm. what was the books in his own right? Right. And what was the second one? The one we were had a to Spaniard drink? in the works. A Spaniard yeah. in the works where he said he wrote that with a bottle of whatever next to him the whole time <laughs> for inspiration. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, like, it could be in my life, but that seems too on the nose. I mean, revolution came to mind, but... Me too. That also is, again, a part of his life. That's the thing about Lennon. It's hard to pin him down because he he was kind of chameleon-like, you know? I had this conversation with Carrie before we started recording. I'm like, yeah, we're going to talk about this and this. And she brought up a day in the life. And... Uh, what's fascinating to me is yes and improv improv <laughs> I, I thought he was in a band day in the life yes but the beauty of that song is that the middle section which is paul right yeah that's paul doing a reach around on john <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite blues traveler song why you gotta give me a reach around <laughs> fuck that guy that's another one too he's the elephant john popper's the elephant's memory guy of only on harmonica Nobody needs to mix the harmonica so loud. <laughs> PJ Shanoff, anti-wind. <laughs> In general. Except when I'm tuned. Know what I mean, fellow tutors? My name is Laura Ingram. But yeah, so uh, it's it's worth, we could do 10 episodes on John Lennon. And if we keep doing this, I'm sure we probably will. I love, Tony, that we didn't wait till his birthday to get in this conversation. I felt kind of weird doing something. Big chunks of George, Paul and Ringo on his birthday and not visiting solo John. I felt like there's no Beatles without John Lennon. Uh, I'm really happy we got to kind of get into him today. I encourage everyone to go out and listen to as much John Lennon as you can because you get so many moods out of all the John Lennon catalog. It's the beauty of what he did. Totally, man. Well, it sounds like we saved the best for last then, TJ. <laughs> any, any Vanessa Williams references is great by me. Tony, sometimes the snow comes down in June. Where was she living at the time? With that lyric, where, where's snow coming down? At, what are you, in Anchorage? I don't know. Sometime way? after that controversial photo shoot. Remember that? I do. It was big controversy. So this was great. Next week, we do track by track on Ringo's Bad Boy. Uh. Oh, okay. All right. I can't wait. Because now I know these songs. Let's do it. <laughs> We got more coming up on next week. Thank you. I don't know if we've actually formally thanked everybody for listening, but a lot, a lot of people I know have reached out to me and, uh, and said they dig it. So I'm glad some people like this. So, you know, Tony, as I say every week, it is my favorite time of the week. And I have a kid. So that says a lot about (laughs) who I am as a dad, but this talking Beatles with you is just the best buddy. Well, me too. Teach a, do you like teach? 
Do people call you Teach? Yeah. Okay. My my oldest friends call me Teach. So you are certainly welcome to call me that. Oh wow! I'm in the Teach zone. You're here. <laughs> help! I'm stepping into the Teach zone. All my songs are here from 1982. Um, by the way, people should seek out our, our solo album, the original Chicago cast recording of Rush Limbaugh, the musical, as part of the Timeless oh, yeah. Wavelengths band. Yes, the Timeless Wavelengths. Hot three-piece coming to you <laughs> from the ETC. Um, well, a pleasure, my friend. We will you see too, you on the, uh, on the fab flop. The flip side now available on Columbia Records and Tapes. Remember that record store, the flip side? I do. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe.